Tonight, uh, I want to share with you guys just briefly on fasting. How fasting intensifies your prayer life. Do you want a dynamic prayer life? Do you want to see change in your life? Lives of your friends and your family? Then the only way we're going to see that is through prayer and fasting. I want to read this to you. This is some time ago, and it just amazes me when you guys see this. You're going to, you're, I think we're, I mean, I don't know if you've ever read this before, but when I read it, I was astounded. By President, by the President of the United States of America, a proclamation. Whereas the Senate of the United States, devoutly recognizing the supreme authority and just government of Almighty God in all the affairs of man and of nations, has by resolution requested the President to designate and set apart a day for national prayer and humiliation. Now, not just prayer, but humiliation. Whew. And whereas in the duty of nations as well as of men and to their own dependence upon the overruling power of God to confess their sins and transgressions, in humble sorrow, yet with assured hope that genuine repentance will lead to mercy and pardon, and to recognize the subline, the truth, announced in the Holy Scriptures and proven by all history that those nations only are blessed by those God, uh, whose God is the Lord. And in us... And inasmuch as we know that, by His divine law, nations like individuals are subjected to punishments and chastisements in this world, may we not justly fear the awful calamity of a civil war, which now desolates the land, may be, may be a punishment inflicted upon us for our presumptuous sin to the needful end and to our nation, national reformation as a whole people. We have, been, we have been the recipients of a choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in numbers, wealth, and power. And no, and no nation has ever grown. We have, but we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the en enriched... Hey, we have forgotten God and His gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom or virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and per preserving grace. Too proud to pray to God that, that made us. It behooves us then to humble ourselves before the offended power, to confess our national sins, and to pray for clemency and forgiveness. Now, therefore, in compliance with this request, and fully concurring with the views of the Senate, I do by this proclamation designate and set apart Thursday, the 30th day of April, 1836, as a national day of humiliation, fasting, and prayer, and do hereby request that all peoples to abstain on that day from their ordinary secular pursuits, secular pursuits, and unite as sever in, in, at several places of public worship and their respective homes in keeping the day holy to the Lord and devoted to the humble discharge of the religious duties proper to that solemn occasion. And all this being done in sincerity and truth, let us then rest humbly in the hope authorized by the divine teachings that the united cry of the nation will be heard on high and answered with blessings, no less than the pardon of our national sins and the restorations of our now divided and suffering country to its former happy condition of unity and peace. In witness thereof, I hereto set my hand and cause the seal of the United States to be fixed. And it shows when it's done by President Abraham Lincoln. I 
was astounded. I was astounded to learn that our country would ever even have produced something as such. When you look at us today. Humiliation. Fasting, he says. Not just a national day of prayer that we, that we, we have today that really is mocked by most of the world. But a, a day of prayer that said, I will set aside everything that's going on in my life. I will devote myself fully to God. And I will get on my knees and repent. That came from this country. It was amazing to me that the time that when, I, when I went online to YouTube to try to find someone who was reading that, her, who, who had, had spoken it, and you know there's thousands and millions of things that go on, and on, the, on, the, on these particular, these verses that were spoken, there's probably 100, maybe 1,400 people have even viewed it. I hadn't viewed it. I was, I was astounded to see it. So little, so little talked about. So little taught about, so little preached about, so little prayed with, yet so powerful a weapon, so spiritually explosive, the enemy wants to keep it a secret. I am ashamed today as I stand before you of my lack of fasting, my lack of teaching regarding it, the years that I have wasted because I did not understand or just wasn't taught or didn't hear preaching from the pulpit that talked about fasting. But as I stand before you today, I am ashamed and I'm repentant before you because I say to myself, how could this go on? Men of the past knew its power. Our country knew its need for it. That it was made a proclamation so the whole country could abide by it. It's so important, fasting is, that Jesus talked about it. In Matthew 6, verse 1 through 18, it says, he says in the Sermon on the Mount there, he spoke these three things. He says, when you give, not if you give, when you pray, not if you pray, when you fast... Jesus gave them instructions on how to do these things. He never said if. He said it was expected of you as a disciple, as a follower of Christ, to have a fasted life. What about Jesus and his disciples not fasting? We don't hear about them fasting during their, their time with Christ. Well, let's go there. Mark 2, 18, it says, Now John's disciples, now I want you to understand that the people who were looking about said, How come your disciples aren't doing this? How come they're not, they're not, they're not fasting? We see John's disciples and the Pharisees fasting. And let me let you know, they have been fasting since the time of Moses. So, so the Pharisees understood what fasting meant. It says, now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. Jesus answered them, how can the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? They cannot, so long as they have him with them. But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and on that day they will fast. Jesus was saying this, because I'm here right now with them, the bridegroom is here I'm here with my disciples. They don't need to worry about fasting right now. They've got me. They've got the bridegroom. But I'm going to be going away. And as he ascended, you'll find out all through Scripture, and I'm going to show you here briefly, that how they began to fast, how the disciples began to fast, how they began to live a life of fasting. People expected the disciples of Jesus to fast, and Jesus was saying, listen, 
the true mark of a disciple will be a fasted life. The last part of that chapter in verse Mark 2, 18, and it goes down, I think, around verse 20. It says, Now no one who sews a patch on an unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins. And the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins. Jesus was talking about fasting just before that. What I want you to understand tonight is fasting will expand you to be able to encapsulate everything God has for your life. Have you prayed the prayer, God, stretch out my tent pegs. God, renew my wineskins so that I can, I can take everything in. I will tell you right now, the only way that comes about is through fasting. Fasting will expand you spiritually. It will renew you and make you ready for more of what God has. Now, I know some of you are saying to yourself tonight, here he goes again. Here he goes. Gray's going to put more condemnation on us. He's going to put more. He said, okay, you're not fasting enough now. So he's going he's gonna to make us feel guilty tonight. No, I don't want you to feel guilty tonight. But what I want to do tonight is I want to inspire you to begin to fast. I want to inspire you tonight to know that fasting, by the time I'm done with this message, I believe that all of us, all of us, because the Holy Spirit has already prompted it to me, you will grasp tonight what God wants to do through fasting and prayer. You will see how important it is. This fasting is not a hunger strike to get God to do what you want. Fasting doesn't mean we get our way. Fasting takes us out of the way. Fasting transforms our lives. Fasting changes our outer garment. That's what that scripture was talking about when those wineskins. Fasting changes our outer garment. It changes the elasticity of our spirit so we can comprehend and, and, and take in everything that God has for us. Fasting will always change us. Fasting will not change God. I want you to, if it's so important, was fasting and transformation to Jesus. In Luke 4.1, it says that Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned to the, from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the desert, and he ate nothing for 40 days. That word there, full of the Holy Spirit, means abounding, complete, fully occupied with. So Jesus goes and gets baptized. As he's leaving the Jordan River, he's, the Spirit of God comes upon him, descends in the form of a dove. Je God says, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. And then Jesus takes off, and he's led by the Spirit of God out into the desert. And full of the Holy Spirit, he goes out there. Now I want you to understand this. In verse 14, just a couple of verses later, it says, He returned after 40 days. He returned to Galilee, not full of the Spirit, but now in the power of the Spirit. The word power there is the same word that we use in the book of Acts where it talks about, and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The dunamis power of God. Mighty power. That mighty power is what Jesus came back with. He left full of the Holy Spirit. He came back with the fire of God in Him. The power of God illuminating Him. That's what fasting will do to your life. Fasting was that final preparation for Jesus' ministry. Paul himself fasted. 
He was establishing himself in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 as an apostle. And as I was reading these things, it talks about how he didn't... Some of the translations say he didn't eat. And I was wondering to myself, well, what do these words really mean? Does it just mean that he didn't have food? Or was, it, was, he, was he really setting himself apart? In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 4 and 5, it says, Rather, as a servant of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, in hardships and distresses, in beatings and imprisonments and riots, in hard work, in sleepless nights, and in hunger." The King James Version says, in watchings and fastings. The word fasting there, or the word in the the NIV, it says the um, hunger. It's translated, it's translated fasting, and it actually means like the, the day of atonement, that type of a fast where you set yourself apart. In 2 Corinthians, Paul says, in verse 11, 27, says, Here Paul is establishing himself, why he's qualified as an apostle. He says, I have labored, I have toiled, I have gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst, and I have gone without food. He's fasted. It says, he's, he's fasted even more often, one of the translations says. I have been cold and naked, he finishes out the, the word. But the King James says, in fastings often. So he knows what it means to be hungry, but he also knows what it means to set himself apart and not eat because he wanted God more than he wanted what this world had to offer. In Acts chapter 13, fasting will bring clarity and power. Now, in, in, in verse 13, uh, chapter 13, verse 1, it says, Now in the church at Antioch there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon from Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, and Manian, and had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work I have called them. So they're already coming together. They came together corporately and they were praying and they were fasting. And then the Lord, the Holy Spirit, speaks to them. And then what do they do? The end of that, ver- that chapter says, Then Paul and Barnabas, excuse me, I think I lost my t- t- plates there. We go through, um, mm. hang on one second here. Okay, let me use this one. <laughs> I'm blind, you know. Um, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart from you Barnabas and Saul, for which they have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed again, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. This, when we fast and we pray, the Holy Spirit will impart into us. He will impart wisdom. This isn't something that we, we hear, we do in our churches today very often. I'm surprised. I mean, I, I think to myself, that's why I'm so ashamed as I come before you today. I think to myself, I was saved when I was six years old. So that's 42 years ago. 42 years ago, I was saved. And all this time, God has, you know, I, was, I walked through my life and I wasn't living a fasted life like God had called me to do. I don't even remember teaching about it. I don't even, my, my dad was my pastor many times, and I don't remember us talking about it. But it is so important to the Word of God that they would not do anything without it. It's what empowered them, it's what gave them direction. So they set Paul and Barnabas aside, and they sent them off after they prayed, and they fasted. And they placed their hands upon them, and they were empowered to go do their ministry. Fasting was used to obtain direction. Fasting was used in, in to walk in a powerful lifestyle. A lifestyle of fasting. How could we miss this? How come I didn't realize this? Prayer is intensified by fasting. 
Prayer is multiplied by fasting. Prayer is sanctified by fasting. I have come tonight to afflict the comfortable and to comfort the afflicted. That's what Jesus would say to us today. Those of you who are comfortable, I want to make you uncomfortable. Those of you who feel afflicted, I want to give you comfort tonight. That's what Jesus' ministry was all about. He continually confronted the Pharisees because they thought they had the answers. Fasting is, is symbolic, like sackcloth and ashes in the Old Testament. Fasting in the Old Testament would be as, as like it was to, for us today. It would be as though we would, we would go and we would tear or rip, rent our clothes. And we'd go lay on ashes. And we would, we would cry out and mourn before God. In Leviticus chapter 16 verse 31 it says, It is a day of Sabbath rest. You must deny yourselves. It is a lasting ordinance. This was what Moses was giving to the children of Israel about the day of atonement. But in the King James Version it says, It shall be a Sabbath of rest unto you. And you shall afflict your souls by statute forever. I want you to understand tonight that, that fasting, first of all, fasting is not fun. Okay? Fasting is miserable. Fasting, it, it, it's hard work. Fasting takes determination. Fasting, any amount of time, means denying yourself, denying the flesh. This day, the day of the, this this day of atonement, is still celebrated by Jews today because they fast. So important that Paul understood it in Acts twenty seven nine. He actually called the day of atonement the fast. In Matthew five four, it's that Jesus said to the to, on the Sermon on the Mount, He says, "Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted." I want you to understand tonight that, that fasting will bring us into a mourning, not over ourself, but fasting will cause us to begin to mourn as God's heart mourns over sin. God's not calling us through a fast to feel sorry for ourselves. Fasting is not self-centered. Fasting will always propel us to the things of God if it's done right. Fasting is a form of warning, mourning, mourning over the sins of our city, our churches, our nation, ourselves. This carries with the idea of afflicting your soul like Leviticus, Leviticus talks about. And, and it's, in, in, in Isaiah, he says this, And provide those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty for ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning. A garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, the planning of the Lord for the display of His splendor. Those who grieve in Zion. I want you to, I want you to put Springville there tonight. Those who grieve in Springville. Those whose hearts are heavy over the, over the ungodliness that's going on. Over those who don't know Christ. Over those in bondage. Over those of our young people who have to go home to a home where, they, you know what, there's no godliness going on. That should grieve all of us. 150,000 people died and went to hell today. That should grieve us. That should make us mourn. This isn't mourning over ourselves, but it's a mourning that shares God's grief. Shares God's grief 
with humanity and sin so we can really comprehend what's going on. Psalms 35, 13 says, Yet when they were ill, and this is, this is David speaking about his enemies. He says, About my enemies, when they're ill, I will put on sackcloth and humble myself with fasting. The same, word humbled, or the same word humbled and fasting here is the same word that's used in Leviticus about afflicting ourselves. Psalms 69.10 says, when I, when I weep and fast, I must endure scorn. One trash, translation says, I cried and I fasted, but I was insulted for it. I will tell you tonight that the world will not understand fasting. The world has no comprehension of it. The world will think you're crazy. They will insult you just like they did David. But Galatians 5.17 says, For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with one another. The self-will of the soul is insistent upon its own way. And the flesh loves to gratify the appetites of the body. Fasting, practiced rightly, brings both the soul and the body in subjection to the Holy Spirit. Fasting does not change God. Fasting changes you and I. Fasting is not a diet or a hunger strike to obtain what I want. Fasting is not a gimmick or a cure-all. Fasting always focuses on God. It's not his, my will, but it's His will. It's not my purpose, but it's His purpose. Fasting breaks down the barriers of man's carnal nature that stands in the way of the Holy Spirit. With the barriers removed, the Holy Spirit can begin to work unhindered in our lives. You know what? Have you, have you wrestled with things in your life? Have you wrestled with sin? Have you wrestled with bondage? I will tell you right now, the way you get free from it is through fasting. Fasting and prayer is the only thing that will remove that from your life. It lets the Holy Spirit begin to come in and begin to have His way over our flesh and over our soul. Our soul is our mind, will, and emotions. We want to get those things into subjection to the presence of God. Fasting will put us in position for that. Fasting and prayer can bring us into alignment with God's will. Fasting expands our capacity to contain what the Holy Spirit wants to do in and through us. If you haven't got the message tonight, fasting is important. Now, am I saying tonight, you're wicked because you're not fasting? No. Am I saying that you're any less spiritual tonight because you haven't fasted? Maybe. I don't know. I want to give you this triangle. I want you to think about it like this. The, the, the big part of the triangle, the A, B, and C, that triangle is God's will in your life. Any place outside of that is not God's will, and, it's, and, and, and you're, you're, you're not walking in the will of the Father, okay? So A, B, and C is, is, is the will of, of, of God in your life. And on this bottom part, the B, D, E, and C, this bottom part that's white, that is you walking in the will just in prayer. That is your, your life. If you look at that, that's, you know what, we can, we can function in that. We're still in God's will. We can function in this area. But what I want you to understand is the top part, the A, D, and E, that little blue part, 
The A, D, and E represent God's will appropriated by prayer and fasting. It is God's choicest provisions lie in that light blue area. Some of you might say tonight, you know what, Greg, I'm happy with the white area. That's all I need. I want to get to heaven. That's all I'm looking for. I don't want to change anybody. I don't, want to, I don't want to see people's lives changed. I don't want to see people healed. I'm not looking to be in the blue area. Prayer is enough for me. But I will tell you this. God's choicest provisions lie within that blue area where we walk in fasted life and a prayer together. That's where I want to be. I want to be in that place where the presence of God is so powerful. He's moving. He's changing lives. I see the sick healed. I see the lame walk. I see people's lives changed, transformed, and renewed. That's what I want to live in. Maybe, what is your position tonight? Are you okay below the blue line? Or do you want to live above the blue line? Do you want to live a fasted life and say, God, I want my prayers to be heard. I want them to be answered. I want to see powerful moves of God. A corporate fast for Springville is what we're calling for. The churches are going to call. You're going to hear this in your church probably this Sunday. We're calling for a one day a month to start with. One day, we don't want, I don't want to overburden you. I know, hey, man, that blue area is tough to get into. Besides that, I know you're already thinking, here he goes again. He's putting it on us. What I want you to understand tonight is this. We're going to do this. The first Tuesday of every month, a 24-hour fast. Now, those of you who have physical ailments, maybe diabetes or uh, you know, eating disorder that you cannot do that. My wife, if she goes without food for one day, she'll drop 10 pounds because she's got a stomach problem there. So I don't let her fast, but I let her fast TV and coffee and candy and stuff like that. So I want you to use wisdom with this. Okay? That's what I'm getting at. I'm not calling you, you know, if you're a diabetic, I'm not calling you to go fast so all of a sudden you're going to fall on the ground and you're not going to be able to do what you need to do that day. But what I am saying is this. You know what? You're going to see it in your churches. The Baptist church. They're going to be talking about it this Sunday. The Nazarene church. I talked to Pastor Chris today. They're also going to be starting this fast with us. We're fasting for, for God to move in our community. We're fasting for revival. We're fasting for God to change the dynamics of what we've seen in the past. God wants to move in this place. I'm telling you what, but the only way we will activate it is through our prayer and our fasting. God will give us a promise. He'll say, okay, just like he did with Elijah, it's going to rain. Well, why did Elijah even have to get on the ground and pray seven times? There was something dynamic when he, got, when he got before the Lord and he began to pray that thing into existence. That's what we do. God may give you the promise. Now it's our duty. God has given me the promise that we're going to see a move of God over Springville. We are going to see revival. We're already seeing revival. We're seeing changed lives. But I want to see it expand past that. So I'm asking you to consider this. Just starting off one day a month and give it to the Lord. 
Give it to God. You know what? And my wife has some little pamphlets right here. We're going we're gonna to have these at the back when you guys leave tonight. And these, these pamphlets talk about fasting. So if you guys, if you're interested in following through with this, I want you, and you know, another, I want you to know this. If you, if, there's, if you have questions about fasting, right here is your guy. You come and see this guy right here. He lives a fasted life. And I'm not just tooting his horn saying, okay, well, look at him. What I'm saying it for is because, you know what, I want you to know that if you have questions and you say to yourself, I don't know about this. I don't know what I can fast, what I can do. What am I supposed to do here? Maybe, this, maybe for you, the fast is just going to be, you know what, I'm going to put down everything. I'll eat. The, you may eat, you have to eat because of, of, of a physical condition. Put everything else aside. When I fast... I want to get rid of TV. I want to get rid of social media. I want to get rid of everything. When I fast, I want my heart and my mind fully devoted to the things of God. And that's what God's calling us to do. And God's calling us as a city over this region. I mean, I don't, it's amazing to me that, it were, that, that, that what's happening in our, in our, in our city. And what's happening in this place. I want you to understand this. And this is what happened in the Old Testament. These four things, these weapons in the hands of believers are very dangerous. A united prayer, prayer of agreement. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, I, when I wrote, when I, these four things, I read these in a book from a guy who's, who's actually promoting transformation all over the world. This is, these are his points. And as I looked at them, I'm like, Lord, you've already been starting us on this. I was already on the path and the Holy Spirit's just been directing us. But he says this, united prayer, a prayer of agreement. Number two, Collective cooperative fasting. Number three, supernatural gifts of the Spirit. Number four, public praise and worship. Those four combined, those four things will transform a city. Those four things will transform a church. Those four things will transform a region. So I'm calling us, to all of us, to come together as not just here at Ignite, but you know what? When you're with your friends, you know what? We're, 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 we can pray over our, our kids at school. We're going to be able... We're going we're gonna to actually have... There's some points on the back that my wife has written out. I think there's five or six of them that you can begin to pray. So that day, every time you start thinking about food, you just go, okay, I'm going to go pray for the kids. Every time you begin to think about food, and I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to probably be thinking about food the night before because you're going to be like, I know that's how it is for me. When I say I'm going to fast that day, I'll wake up in the morning and think, I could, I could, I, I'll, before I go to bed that night, I'm thinking, I'll be fine. I, could, I don't even need to eat for 10 days. I wake up the next morning, I'm like, oh, biscuits and gravy sure sound good. <laughs> Some cocoa pebbles. <laughs> that's how it happens. That's how it goes. And I go get Fred Flintstone out of the wall, out of the, out of the cupboard, and I'm looking at him. My wife's all, put that down! <laughs> Maybe coffee. But whatever it is, I want you to, to dedicate that day as a solemn day before God. And you begin to fast for your community. God is... I'm telling you guys, I am... We're about to see... A move of God like we have never experienced in our life. I, I don't, I, I'm, I'm not tonight, I'm not trying to condemn you if you haven't fasted. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, to, to convict you to say, you know what, I want this. 
I want, I want what God has for me. I want to be up in that blue area. Yeah, I can be in the will of God, but I want to be in His perfect will. I want to be... And in that place, when you're walking in that place, this guy likes to say, God's got it. And I don't always agree with him there, but I will tell you this. When you're walking in that blue area, God has it. Okay? God has it. No matter what happens to you, it doesn't matter. It's just like the three Hebrew children. When they're walking in that blue area where the Spirit of God is around them, it doesn't matter what happens. You may put us in there and we may die, but it doesn't matter to me because I know where I'm going. That's what God's calling for us today, guys. We're going to spend the next couple minutes in worship and praise. But I want you to, that one of the, the things that we, those four things, a united prayer, a prayer of agreement, a collective cooperative fasting, spiritual, supernatural gifts of the Spirit, and public praise and worship. Guys, I don't know how else to tell you this. But all throughout the Bible, this wasn't my plan. This wasn't my idea. God set it up. He told them to shout. He told them to praise. He told them to lift their voices. He told them to lift their hands. They even took flags and waved them. It's... it's, it's it, God calls us to an exuberant expression of worship. Now some of you say, well, you know what, I can, I can do the same thing just sitting right back over here. I can do it. Hallelujah! I love you! <laughs> Jesus! Do you want to be, you know, we said it when we were going through the, the Christians and, and, and demons part when we were preaching those messages. Would you rather have, what was it, hun? Dignity or deliverance? deliverance? I would much rather have deliverance. You know what? I'll lose my dignity. I'll make a fool of myself for Christ. People might look at me and go, man, that guy's nuts. And I know they do. They say that. I've heard it in town. <laughs> but you know what you look at the New Testament believers man when you look at the, the book of Acts these people didn't care they didn't care what the cost when they went and got beat they came back praising God saying thank you Lord I will tell you that the temporary afflictions, the momentary afflictions that we go through are nothing compared to the millenniums we'll spend with Christ. Guys, I want you to be excited about that. I want, that's something to praise Him about. That's something to worship Him about. Tonight, maybe you're looking through break, for breakthrough. Our first worship song tonight, when we, we're going to have a couple here just before we close, is about breakthrough. Praise and worship will break you through. I want you to know that. Right now, in your situation, you know what, maybe you're saying to yourself, you know what, I don't know if I can make it another day. I'm, I'm struggling. I'm having a tough time. You know what, right now, before you even get the answer, begin to praise your way into the answer. Begin to praise your way into this, to where God wants you to be. 
And you know what? I encourage you guys, if you need to, if you, you know what? If it holds you back to sit in a, in a seat, if it holds you back to be in the back because you're too busy watching what everybody's doing, you know what? You come up in the front. You can worship. You can dance. You can shout. You can do whatever you want to do. You know what? You know what? If we got to start doing cartwheels, that's okay. Grab a flag if you need to. Lord of the breakthrough. Hallelujah.
worship you. We 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 worship you. We